Hi everybody, this is Jim Ford. And I'm Dan Kurtzke. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode twenty-five. Twenty-five? I know. It feels like just yesterday we were recording twenty-four, even though we didn't do it yesterday. <laughs> oh. It's like just yesterday we were recording episode one and then had to re-record it because it didn't save. Yeah, and took three hours of our lives and uh, memories. How long ago was that? That was... Don't say 24 episodes ago. <laughs> um, well, episode one, that was like either late November or early to mid-December or so. Huh. Wait, so it, so it's almost been a year? Yeah, yeah, we're like two months away from a year. Wow. Why the hell are we celebrating this? Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> because it's 25. Yeah, this is this is our, uh, what, our giant size anniversary issue, whatever the comic equivalent of this is. Pretty much. Yeah, we have a whole bunch of guests lined up and some fun topics. And now we shall start with the news. Yeah. First off, the latest news on the uh, the free ring front. All right. My big thing you've been listening to the last couple episodes is I want to know how online distributors are going to be handling this. You know, will there be like a little box you check off when you order your comics or some or how how like how are they going to get those free rings to you? Well, if you go to DCBS, that's dcbservice.com on their main page they have a little animation and it basically just flat tells you everything you need to know it shows you all right it, it show it shows you all of the books that you have to get and they basically just tell you like it's it's one for one you know you 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 order this book and this ring will come in your box with it so it couldn't be simpler like you don't have to do anything extra, you won't be paying extra, just, you know, you order your copy of Rebels number 10, and your, what, yellow ring will show up at your house with the issue, so, that's, that's, pre- that's pretty much as much as we could ever ask for. Definitely, yeah. And the other thing I saw while I was on there, I didn't realize this was so close to coming out, the Absolute Green Lantern Rebirth hardcover. It's going to be collecting the Rebirth Mini, which is six issues, and the first six issues of the uh, ongoing series that followed it. How do you feel about that? I I can understand collecting Rebirth because it's, like, first of all, it's a great story, and it's apparently really accessible. Right. But, I mean, if you're going to throw something else in there with it, which you have to because it's not long enough for an absolute... I feel like you could have picked something different. I don't know necessarily what. I mean, I I toyed around in my head with the idea of, all right, what about Green Lantern Secret Origin? Oh, wow. Because, I mean, if if that was a lead feature to Rebirth or something, or vice versa, because, I mean, that would that would be like a... That would be seven, that's seven issues, so it would be thick enough. It would be just as thick of this, but... I don't know, part of me thinks that they only did this... So, because that encompasses, I think, the Black Hand issues at the beginning of the series. Really? That You think that's why? Well, I think it's part of it, but... I don't know. To me, you shouldn't... 
do this unless you're going to continue putting out these absolutes. Right, yeah, I agree with that. And and if you are going to continue, you should make each absolute thicker, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, I part of me is surprised they didn't just do an absolute Sinestro war and just throw in everything. What about the the miniseries that kicked off the Green Lantern core series? Holy crap, I forgot about that. And that's like my fa- that's one of my favorite Green Lantern stories too. <laughs> you know, something like that would have gone really well with Rebirth. You have the rebirth of Green Lantern and then the rebirth of the core. Yeah, and the it publishing wise it came almost directly after it too. Yeah. So it's a really odd choice. From an art standpoint, too, because, I mean, Van Sciver did all six issues of Rebirth, and he did that one issue of Green Lantern where Batman's in it, but I think that's the only issue of the ongoing series, at least that early, that he did. The rest, it it bounces around from uh, different artists, doesn't it? Hold on, and I'll check. I have the No Fear trade, like, right in front of me. Hmm. So I think, yeah, it's interesting that Basically, this trade will be collected with the uh, Absolute. Yeah. I think the most interesting thing about this at this point is to see whether or not they start pumping out more and more Green Lantern Absolutes collecting the series, which I can't see them doing for an ongoing series. But Right. Uh, it's just such a weird choice. We should throw in there that cover price for this thing is $75, but DCBS, if you pre-order this month, uh, this month being September of 2009, you can get it for $37.50, which that's pretty good. $37.50? Yeah. Oh, wow. In the first issue of the Green Lantern, the most recent series, there are some pages that look like they were done by Van Skyver. I'm not entirely sure if they were. Oh, yeah, and doesn't it change over, like, like when the planes are flying? Um, I think I remember that. Where all of a sudden it's the other artist. Yeah, I think it goes from Darwin Cook, and then the planes, the planes are, like, flying into space, and then you see the Earth, and then it comes in, and then it's, it's like, the more realistic Van Skyver. Yeah. I think. I can't remember if it's... Van Skyver, or I guess Carlos Pacheco is the next issue? No, no, no. Now I remember, I'm going off memory here. I remember, like, the issue one starts off, because the Darwin Cook thing, that was from the secret files that they threw in there. Where, Hi- where Hal and Kyle go flying in the, the plane. But issue one, I think, is, uh, it starts out with Van Skyver doing the whole, you know, flashback to Hal's origin. And then it, you got a shot of just like the jets flying, and all of a sudden it's Pacheco's art. Because I remember thinking, oh, I didn't even notice that that wasn't Vince Kyver drawing jets. Okay. Okay, yeah, that's how it is. Now I say. Yeah, well, yeah, you're right. So you're going to have Vince Kyver switch to Darwin Cook, switch to Vince Kyver, switch to Pacheco. Hmm. Which, do you think that's a good thing or a bad thing, considering like half the point of people getting these absolutes is to have the artwork showcased. I mean, do you want nice, consistent art over the whole thing, or do you want to have a variety? I would say consistent artwork 
is definitely preferable. Although if I had to go with a compromise, like if they had gone with Green Lantern Rebirth and then Green Lantern Core Recharge, then at least, you know, even though they're two different art styles, it's distinct to each series. Yeah. Huh. Oh, well. I won't be getting this, will you? I don't think so. I mean, as much as I would like to have a Green Lantern Absolute, I have both of these in trade. I have all the original issues as well. I can't really see the point. Yeah. I mean, if something happened to my copies or something, then maybe, but... Well, no, at the same time, no, because I wouldn't want to just have this random first chunk of the overall story just in absolute size and format and have the rest be regular comic size. Right. I don't know. I mean, if they if they came out with, like, just a story arc that was long enough to warrant an absolute, then maybe. But not something that's just kind of cutting a chunk out of it, you know? Yeah. Okay, so are we good with news? I think we're good with news. Okay, then how about we take our very first guest? Okay. Okay, and let me get a hold of him. Hey, Eric. Hey. This is Jim. Hey, Jim. Hey, Eric, this is Dan. Hey, Dan. Okay, everybody, on the phone, we have Eric Ridgway, who goes by the screen name FlashGL78 on the forums. Hi, Eric, how you doing? How you doing? Uh, it's good that you could join us, Eric. Yeah. So, so who's your favorite Green Lantern character? Well, I would say Hal Gordon, because I grew up watching the Legion of Doom episode. Oh, okay. Oh, I see. Hal Jordan, because you grew up watching him on the Superpower Show. The challenge of the Superfans with the Legion of Doom. Oh, yeah. yeah. I love the Legion yeah. of Doom. <laughs> yeah. That's really cool. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, a lot of people get into Green Lantern through that show. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. And then, the last thing, um, I wanted to give my Flash Rebirth number four review. I got comic edition by Tom. And a big thanks to Colin for helping me out with that. A Corwin helped you out? Yeah. That's cool. Okay. Okay. We'll, uh, we'll have a link to that review that you did on our webpage. How about that, Eric? Yeah, we'll take my signature on the form. Great, okay. So... They can yeah. click on your signature, or they'll see it in our show notes. Okay, thank you, guys. Eric, thank you very much for being such a great listener. Okay, no problem. Thank you, Dan, for your emails to the press, Dan. That's, that's, how I, that's how I first became a listener. Yeah. 
Oh, no problem. Okay. Good night, Eric. Thank you very much. Good night. Okay, you're welcome, guys. We'll talk to you later. Okay, bye. 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 Okay, and thanks again to Eric Ridgway. Now we have an email from Chris Valls, who was wondering what the order is to the Green Lantern trades. He has a few of them, and he wants to know what the order they all go in. So I came up with a list, and it starts out with Green Lantern Rebirth. That collects the Green Lantern Rebirth miniseries. Then you have Green Lantern No Fear. That's the first few issues of the series. The next few issues is collected in Revenge of the Green Lanterns. Right after that, the trade is called Green Lantern Wanted. And after that, you have the Sinestro Corps War, Volume 1 and 2. There's two volumes to that, everybody. And then there's also a Tales of the Sinestro Corps, but that's kind of like extra stuff that you don't have to read, but it kind of fits in with the Sinestro Corps if you decide to read it. The next up is the Secret Origin trade, followed by the Rage of the Red Lantern trade, and I believe coming out very soon is the Agent Orange trade, which collects how many issues, Dan? Oh, a whopping four. You know, don't don't hurt yourself carrying that around. <laughs> yeah, and that that's probably gonna have a lot of uh, back material. Like hopefully his sketches that he showed on Newsarama, Philip Tan. It better at this point. The back matter better be thicker than the actual story. <laughs> that's just that's stupid. Presumably after the Agent Orange storyline, they will have some sort of Blackest Night tie-in collection. Yeah, I'm wondering how they're going to collect Blackest Night, because, I mean, will they do the same thing they did with Sinestro Corps and just have, like, now here's here's an issue of Blackest Night, here's an issue of Green Lantern and Green Lantern Corps, and here's the next Blackest Night, and here's two more issues of Green Lantern, and here's the next Blackest Night... Or will there be just like a like a eight issue Blackest Night trade? You know. Oh, I think hands down there's going to be just an eight issue Blackest Night trade. The question I think is going to be: Are they going to have a volume one of Blackest Night and a volume two of Blackest Night, collecting the first half of the Green Lantern and Green Lantern Core issues, and the second half of the Green Lantern and Green Lantern Core issues? I don't know, because. Especially with Green Lantern itself, that's so weaved into Blackest Night. Well, both books, actually. They're so weaved in, it's like... We'll have to see how it plays out over the next six months. But, you know, depending on how tied in they are, they may not be able to stand on their own. That's that's true, but I think... I think they're going to be able to stand on their own. I, I think it's it's going to be, you know, much easier to just package that off as its own thing, and then if people want to buy the Blackest Night Green Lantern tie-ins, they can get that in another trade, and the Green Lantern core books in another trade. That's how I see it happening so far. Yeah, hopefully. Hey, speaking of trades, we got another email from John Strong. He, uh... He had a question. Um, 
one of the questions I have is from the Sinestro Corps War books. So, to me, they didn't really tell me the end. They build the war coming to Earth and then return, and the return of the Anti-Monitor. Then they cut to into Tales of the Core, which gives even more hype to Superboy Prime and Cyborg Superman. Now, they build Kyle as Parallax and then bring in a new Ion, then nothing. The four lanterns of Earth sitting around a campfire. Did I miss something? Well, yes, he, what you missed was Sinestro Corps War Volume 2. As you heard in Jim's reading order there, they have technically three Sinestro Corps collections out there. There's Sinestro Corps Volume 1. I think the cover is uh, that picture of Sinestro with his arms raised and everybody crucified behind him. And then there's Sinestro Corps Volume 2, the cover of which has... um. You know, Hal fighting Sinestro, and in the background there's Kyle Rayner flying, and then there's the Anti-Monitor too. What you have is, you know, during the story, like, as as the war was getting towards the end, they put out a bunch of one-shots that showcased basically the villains, or whatever characters that, you know, people didn't know a lot about. So there was a Parallax one-shot, an Ion one-shot, a Cyborg Superman one-shot, there was one for Superboy Prime, and they just lumped all of those into a hardcover too. Which, you know, I, I don't know when I would tell you to read the hardcover in, if you just want to sit down and do Sinestro Core War, but, you know, it's, it's not intended to go straight from Sinestro War Volume 1. Okay. So, we got that. Why don't we take a short break? Okay. This break that we're going to take right here is actually going to be another skit. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. I'm honestly a little afraid. Yeah, well, you, you haven't actually heard this the whole way through. No, I recorded, like, three lines for you completely out of context, but this is going to be the first time I've actually heard it. Yes. Maybe I'll actually let you listen to it, so that way we can get your reaction after the break. All right. Okay, so we'll be back, and enjoy, everybody. I call this meeting of the cores to order. Atrocitus has the first order of business. Thank you, Saint Walker. I demand the blood of Hal Jordan and Sinestro. For crying out loud, this brainless oaf demands our blood every time we meet. Enough already! Oh, come on, Sinestro. Just because I have a clear goal that I stick to doesn't mean that I'm not also an erudite thinker. That really hurts my feelings. Also, I demand your blood. And Al Jordan's. Let's move on to our next order of business. Larflees? Mine! Right. Okay, then. Next we have the Earth representative from the Indigo tribe. Dan Kurtzke. I still don't understand why I was picked for Indigo. I would have thought Blue Lantern for sure. While it's true you do possess great hope, you possess great compassion as well. Also, you enjoy killing people. I knew those past mercy killings would come back to haunt me. Ha! Yes. Mercy killings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my. Carol Ferris of the Star Sapphires. I believe you had an order of business. Hi, Carol. Not now, Hal. That friggin' rage cat keeps pissing fire on my lawn. You know what smells worse than fiery cat piss? Nothing. 
Meow. Not me. I'd never do that. Keep it up. Keep it up, and I'll neuter you. And thankfully, the final order of business from Black Lantern Chip. Brains. Brains. We should be using our brains and use our symbols on different products. T-shirts, belt buckles, mugs, hats, mouse pads. Did someone say mouse? Not now, Dexter. Go on, Chip. I like this idea. Well, with the money we make from merchandising, we could afford a nicer meeting table, comfier chairs, and maybe even snacks. Fantastic. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Terrific. I have high hopes for this plan. And we're back from break. So, what did you think of that, Dan? Uh, oh my God. <laughs> um. That. Wow. I I I I don't know where to start. <laughs> um. Said that was that's the creepiest Saint Walker I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> Uh, and I think, <laughs> oh my god, I wonder, I'm I'm never going to be able to get away from that Rage Kitty voice, like, every time I see him read it in a comic, is going to be there in my brain now, and I blame you. <laughs> uh... <laughs> and I think you finally figured out a way to get your fiancé on here without her swearing constantly. <laughs> oh my god. Pretty much. <laughs> wow. <laughs> the Rage K is pissing fire on my lawn. Ah, oh, uh, yes. That was yeah. great. Oh. How many people were in on that? Uh, quite a few. I guess we should probably give uh, some special thanks on that one. Yeah, I was Jason Atrocitus... No, he wasn't actually. Oh, who was? <laughs> I'm not gonna say. Was it you? Was it Lauren? <laughs> okay, well, no, but I'm not gonna say. <laughs> oh. Um, so special thanks to my friends Eric Robertson and Samantha Dim, to my fiance Lauren Malika, and to you, myself. And also our program director, Jason. Yeah. Why'd you make me the Indigo Lantern? What the hell is up with that? I just thought it'd be funny. Oh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and this this actually all came about because oh, so who was it on our Facebook that uh, made a comment? Hold on, I'll check. Okay, yeah, there was Chad William Bockelman, who mm -hmm. actually kind of, he made a, a post as far as how hilarious it would be to hear how, you know, the first meeting of the various cores would play out. Yeah. So. Is, he the, is he the guy with the Green Lantern documentary thing? Yes. Okay, I thought so. So. God. You do this stuff, and you're still getting married. That's amazing. I'll say. Next up, we have an interview that was recorded previously. Dan couldn't make it for this interview, but I was there and 
I think it's pretty interesting. So without further ado, here's the interview, and we'll talk about it afterwards. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm speaking with Mr. Howard Chaikin, the creator of American Flag, uh, artist on Hawk Girl. He's worked behind the scenes on The Flash television show and Mutant X. Uh, how you doing, Mr. Chaikin? I'm terrific. How about you? I am fantastic. Uh, right now, we're going to talk about the Guy Gardner Collateral Damage book that you did. Terrific. Okay. So, I guess the first most important question is, how did this book come about? Like, who originated the idea? Well, Dan DiDio has always liked the cover I did some years back of, of, of a guy giving, you know, sort of giving the bird to the reader. And he felt that that caught the character most as, as effectively as, as any story he'd ever read. So he asked me to come on and do the book. I was really delighted because I love the character. Uh, I always have. I mean, I, I go back to when, you know, to Gil Kane's original version of that character. Right. And, um, you know, so I, I, was, I jumped at the opportunity. I thought it was a lot of fun. I had a great time with it. I, lo I, love, I love the character of Guy Gardner. Okay. Now, like, where, did you come up with this concept around the time that it was published, or was it, like, you know, in advance or, you know, continuity-wise? Like, how about that? Well, I, I, don't, I don't really recall. I mean, it was uh, – it, it, it happened – I mean, I, I pitched it. They asked me to do it. I pitched the concept. They went for the concept, and that was about it. I don't, I don't quite remember where it stood in continuity, per se. Right. Okay. Now, you say you're a fan of Guy Gardner as a character. How about, like, the later storylines as far as, like, because you involved a story thread with the Valdarians? I, I thought that stuff was horseshit. <laughs> um, I really hated it. Uh, but I felt it was fun to, to sort of, like, you know, dismantle and rebuild it. Right. I mean, I have to say that I, I love the character, but I don't like the fact that the character is often portrayed as an idiot. I don't right. believe the guy is an idiot. I think he's if – I, if I had anybody I would, I would identify as, a, as Guy Garner to play the guy in the movie, and I mean this as much as anything else spiritually as physically, right. it, would, it would be Dennis Leary. I could see that. You know, um, because pe people tend to portray Guy as a moron, and I don't think he's a fool. I think he's a, a fairly complex, fairly smart, shrewd guy who's got, you know, an attitude problem and issues, you know? Gotcha. Um, but I, cer I certainly don't regard him as an idiot, and he's frequently portrayed as such. Okay. So, now, you didn't like the Valdarian concept. No, I, I, I thought that was just, you know, real 80s stuff that, that didn't really, it, it felt a little overcomplicated and nonsensical. I, I, and I apologize to anybody who still worked on it and who still care, listened to this, but, you know, that's just the way it was. Oh, no, I, I appreciate the honesty. Now, but, but you also kind of leave like a back door in there with the urn of all their DNA, so I guess if somebody wanted to pick up on that, they still could? Absolutely. That's, that's good. I, I would think that, I mean, that, that that's right on the money, yeah. Now, uh, like art-wise, with uh, the Green Lantern, you know, characters as they're drawn nowadays, all the black, you know, on their costumes is like supposed to be non-reflective. What are your thoughts on that as an artistic style? I, I have no thoughts on that at all. I don't <laughs> know. I hadn't, I hadn't noticed. I, have, I haven't seen the book in quite some time. Gotcha. Okay, fair enough. Uh, next question. Uh, with the character of Nort... Mm -hmm. He's usually, you know, typically portrayed as kind of like comic relief, but right. 
like you kind of wrote him a lot more serious. What was the the reason behind that? Again, um, we live in a world in which people are constantly taking sort of goofy comical characters and doing them as uh, as edgy and dark, a phrase that I find occasionally ridiculous. So I thought I'd do the same thing with Norton, see how it worked. Oh wow, <laughs> that's 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 cool. That's, <laughs> that's I never even thought of that. Hmm. Uh, the concept of the the Tormox that went after the Valdarians. Did mm-hmm. I, I don't remember if that was in the comic. Did you come up with that? Yes. Yeah. Just uh, another race to wipe out the Valdarians. Yes. Nice. I mean, the Tormax were there, but I, I but I but I think they, they were more minor than I played them. Gotcha. Okay. Now, what was it like drawing like the uh, the bar that guy you know had? Well, again, I I felt that no one had ever portrayed warriors in a way that that felt like a real bar to me. And what I wanted to do was do a you know the the equivalent of the Hard Rock Cafe or or Planet Hollywood for superheroes and for superhero people who you know for for kind of superhero groupies. And um and I had some fun with that as well. Yeah, that yeah, it's definitely evident. You could like trying to pick out all the little you know character homages in there mm-hmm. is is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. That's very kind. In the uh, the second issue, there's a scene where like all of the hatred in the uh, the sector kind of like becomes sentient and becomes mm-hmm. this giant like red energy creature. Now, I mean, like as far as the story is going right now, like that would seem to play right into what Jeff Johns is doing with the emotions and the different well, color no, points. I, is that true? Yeah. I mean, I, I would me for me that was an homage. To Cordwainer Smith. Uh, Cordwainer Smith is probably my favorite, all-time favorite science fiction writer. Do you know his work? I not off the top of my head. Wow. Okay. Well, you should. Uh, and you I'll should be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> I'll have um, to look into Smith, it now. What's that? I'll have to look into it now. Um, Smith was a was a an, a really an evolutionary and revolutionary thinker in his time, and did some amazing stuff. And uh, to a profound degree, he, I mean, whenever I do science fiction, I always see elements of, of Cordwainer Smith showing up in, the, in, in, in reference. So, uh, yeah, so it just, he, he, did a, he did a story called uh, The Game of Rat and Dragon, in which it's discovered that the very tissue of space is a living entity, and that it drives men mad. And in that regard, they discover that, that that men perceive that, that tissue as a dragon, and it drives them insane, whereas cats perceive it as a rat, and cats, since cats' nervous centers are such that their reflexes are so much faster than ours, they, they, become, the we, they become weaponized. And it's just, it's just brilliant, cockeyed stuff. Oh, wow. Um, most, most great science fiction writers of, of, of my generation acknowledge Cordwainer Smith as, a, as an enormous source of influence. <laughs> so then, just complete coincidence that this, like, rage entity created in your story would, like, fit completely into what Jeff Johns is doing now. Why a coincidence? I'm assuming Jeff saw it and used it. Oh, well, there you go. That's I mean, that's definitely so what it he, is, was, then. Was, was he doing that with, with, with the material before I did it? Well, technically, no. Not with the, the rage. No. Uh, what's that? Not with the rage, not at all, no. 
Interesting. That's that's definitely something to think about. You know, if, if I if, if someone does something before someone else does it, and it shows up in the someone else's work after the fact, it's not a coincidence. It's someone being using the material that's been laid out, and, that, and that's perfectly fine. That's cool. I, I guess I don't know. Okay, that's basically all the questions I have for you. I you know. Thank you very much. I just recently reread it, and it was you know it's actually really cool. I like it a lot. Thank you. That's very kind. I'm most grateful. Do you have anything that you would like to promote? Um, no, not really. You know, I'm, I'm, I've got my Dominic Fortune series coming up for Marvel right now. Um, and I'm really having a great time. I'm, I'm, I'm delighted with that. It's looking really good. Um, I finished the book, and the, I think the, the second issue should be out any day now. Um, and that's about it. I've got other things in, in, in the hopper, but I also, my clients prefer to be the ones who, who, who announce material, which I respect. Right. So um, I don't I don't jump the gun on material I'm working on until my client does it first. Hmm. So uh, that that's where I'm at. But uh, thanks so much for your attention. Thank you very much. And have a great day. You too. Thanks a lot. Bye now. Bye. And we are back. So what'd you think, Dan? What? <laughs> oh my! All right. Let me give me a second here. Well, first of all, congratulations on getting Howard Chapin. That was very unexpected. <laughs> um, was, was did Jason do that, or was that you? No, was that, that, was, you? that was uh, that was me. Cool. Well, you guys are gonna have to have like a thumb wrestling match to to work past these demons now. <laughs> um, so now, all right. After nearly a solid year on this show and on our board of saying the collateral damage is terrible in every way. You're saying it's good now? Well, okay, to be fair, first off, I never said it was terrible in every way. Because I did kind of like the fact that they at least threw in the concept of the Voldarians, which basically everybody else ignores. So, I mean, as you heard from the interview, uh, you know, Mr. Chaikin, he, he was not a fan of that, concept of the story but the fact that he threw it in there like i definitely appreciated that now yeah in addition to that like i've only re- i had only read the story like once like when it first came out and i have a feeling that one of the factors that you know played a part in me not liking it was the fact that it was like six dollars an issue you know like if you're going to charge me that much money like my expectations are going to be really high so Like, recently what I did was because, you know, we hit episode 25, I wanted to go back to episode zero and kind of, like, see what we had done and said back then and try and, like, retouch and revisit some of those concepts. And I said, okay, well, if I'm going to keep on saying that this is the worst, then I need to reread it. And I reread it, and, like, I actually, like, liked it a lot more than I even expected to like it uh the art like for some reason i don't know why i wasn't a fan of it back then but i i guess i i've definitely you know grown as an art fan but i i like the art i like how it did kind of you know fit in with the rest of the you know green lantern art style where the black on the costumes isn't reflective i thought that was a nice touch it's not that i was never a fan of nort 
I guess I never really read a lot of comics with him in it. So I was never that tied to him being the uh, the comedy relief. And, like, the fact that his world was in the middle of an intergalactic war, like, kind of made sense for him to not be the comic relief. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I, I can say for a fact it wasn't a money thing for me. I just, like... I mean, I mean, I saw the price tag going in. I knew like, it's it's a it was a prestige format, two issue thing. You know, you know how much it's gonna cost going in. But so like, I was judging on story. And you know, granted, I did only read it the one time. I should probably go back and reread. In fact, we should probably do an episode about it sometime soon, just for the sake of rereading it and getting it out there. But ah, uh, <laughs> I. Uh, I, I, okay. I, I don't, I don't want to get into general bashing of this thing, especially since, like, I haven't reread it since that first time. Right. And, you know, like, like you said, like, maybe it will be better a second time through now that several years have passed. Mm-hmm. But, um, one thing from the interview, though, like, I have to disagree with him. I've never really found Guy to be written as stupid. You know, to me, it's always that he was treated by fans, writers, and characters as though he was just basically an ass. I mean, if you know his history, he was you know, he was forced in and out of comas, he was mind-controlled, he was lost in a phantom zone, he lost his fiancé, uh, and, and until recently his entire career as a Green Lantern was spent, seen as like a second or third fiddle character to Hal Jordan. It's like, he's got the exterior of a complete jerk. But it's all surface. But that's where a lot of people tend to stop. I think the current, the current Green Lantern Corps series does a good job of showing people just who Guy Gardner really is. But collateral damage... You know, granted, he wasn't written as stupid there. But from what I remember, he was written as just a colossal jerk. And, you know, again, maybe I need to read it again. But first time around, I remember walking away thinking, you know... This is what people who don't get Guy Gardner think he is. Well, I would say collateral damage definitely did like play up his ego like a lot, but he he wasn't wholly unlikable, which is, I think, the core of his character when he was created, or not so much like when he was created, but later on when he got the persona that we still know today. You know, and. I no, I can kind of see where you know he was coming from as far as there are definitely times where guy is written as like a buffoon, and like you know he's got such an ego that he just kind of like you know the the writers that do that they write it like well he's got such an ego that he jumps in without thinking about it, and because of that he has to face like a bunch of these repercussions, and if he had just thought a little and if he wasn't so stupid then that wouldn't have happened. You know, so I've read, like, some Justice League stories where that's that's been the case. You know, where, like, he's, like, an idiot so that Batman can come and look like a genius. Hmm. Cleaning up his mistakes. It might also be a byproduct of when this came out, because, you know, this is, this is, like, on the tail end of the age where, you know, getting a random miniseries about a different Green Lantern was, you know, it was a pipe dream. And at the same time, it was at the very beginning of an age where, oh my god, we have 
a lot of new Green Lantern stuff coming out, then it's all awesome. So it's like, it was just... I don't know. It, it's, I guess it seemed like... It, I, I almost want to say it carried the air of it should have been more special, almost. I, I That's a bad way of putting it, but you know what I mean? You're saying that something like this with a prestige format should have had a lot more repercussions than just kind of like a project because somebody wanted to write a Guy Gardner story. Yeah, like as, as in if... If during the 90s, when it was everything Green Lantern was Kyle Rayner, if they came out with a miniseries about a random alien Green Lantern, then that miniseries had better be, like, the best damn alien Green Lantern story we can get, you know? Because people are going to look at that as, like, okay, this is something that I haven't been able to, to see in a very long time. And now they're giving it to us. All right, so they better make this really good. Yeah, Whereas... no, I, I, I understand what you're saying. But, like, they did come out with a lot of prestige format kind of books during Kyle's run that were, like, Elseworld Tales. Mm. And I remember, like, the, uh, what was it? the dragon A Dragon's Tale or the Dragon's Lantern? Oh. A Green uh, Dragon? I... Something like that? that yeah wasn't that where like this kung fu master or something got the battery or yeah yeah and i I remember like thinking that the concept for that sounded good but like it's been a very long time since i read it and i'm not gonna make the same mistake that i made with collateral damage you know and say that it was horrible but i do remember not being that satisfied with it Hmm. i'm not sure why now though i'll have to reread that yeah. I mean, I think... Do do we remember, did this come... This came out... Before, no, this came out right after Green Lantern Corps started, right? Yeah, yeah, this was like... I, well, actually, I don't remember. Like, this might have come out right after Rebirth, but just before the core started. Because yeah. I feel like if this came out now... Wait a second. Once... No, no, no. Sorry. I'm sorry. This came out during the the Ranthanagar War. Oh, so this was. Huh. Okay, so the so Green Lantern Corps wasn't around yet. I think it might have been. Well, how? Know, cause... Wait. How far apart are uh, Green Lantern and Green Lantern Corps? Um. Five issues. I think 40 just came out for Green Lantern Corps. And Green Lantern is on 45, 46. So, five months difference. Yeah, I guess Green Lantern Corps was, like, either had just started up or was just about to start up at that point. Yeah. Well, that, I think that goes to my point, where, like, if, if this two-issue deal had come out now, where... Like when we have, we already have a few years of Green Lantern Corps reinforcing Guy Gardner's character. It might have been like just like kind of easier to brush away and say like, oh, well, this is what he's supposed to be like over here. So what the hell's going on over there? I think I'll just ignore that. But at the time, like there wasn't really like this was basically what was showcasing the character of Guy Gardner, and it was just so like abruptly 
not the character I knew. So I think I might have had like like a more passionate reaction to it because of that. Right. That and, you know, Nort being a big angry bear. <laughs> what he had said in the interview, I thought that was very interesting as far as like you had a bunch of people kind of taking characters and making them grim and gritty and everything like that. And he took a character that was like comedy relief. And he thought like it was like, you know, it was kind of funny how people were doing that. So he takes a comedy relief character and he turns it into one of these grim and gritty things. So he's doing like what he considers a funny concept to a funny character by completely changing him, you know, away from what he was. It's it's almost like metatextually ironic or something like that. Yeah, like, like I couldn't tell. Like, was he trying to go for like almost parodying the concept, just because of who he chose, or was it like, was he like, ah, what the hell? Let's see if this works. I think it was probably a little bit of both. Yeah, I hope it doesn't stick though, because eventually Nort's gonna show up again, and I really don't want this Nort. <laughs> I don't know. Uh... I do like the fact that he kind of erased the concept of the Valdarians, but he also left a back door. So if somebody does want to do something with him, they have that. Yeah. Which, you know, if the right writer comes along and... Because, I mean, I didn't like the Valdarians either. Yeah. But, like, I also don't want to see them just swept under the rug. Like, I'm glad there was that, that sequence in Rebirth where we've got to see guy's body rebuilding itself just to kind of wrap it up because it would have been easy for Jeff Johns to just ignore it and pretend like it never happened. But I don't know. I don't know. It would be interesting to see something happen with that race. As long as guy doesn't get the damn powers back, but, (laughs) (laughs) uh, Uh, you know, while I was uh, doing a little bit of research for the interview, I found out that Howard Chaikin also was a co-writer on the other Green Lantern Elseworlds story, Green Lantern Evil's Might. Is that the one where, like, they're all Nazis, or am I thinking of something else? Um, I think you're thinking of something else. Oh, alright. I haven't read (laughs) it in a while. Like, I remember it's, like, in the Industrial Age. Oh! Where you got, like, Kyle Rayner flying around in kind of, like, a makeshift theatrical Alan Scott costume? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, nice. Okay. Honestly, I only got the first issue, because I think, like, my shop either sold out of it or under-ordered it. Right. But I I keep forgetting to go back and find it. Like, it was definitely interesting. It wasn't the kind of thing where, where, like, I was like, oh, the price point, this is too high, blah, blah, blah. Because I think it was three issues. I think it was just a matter of, you know... Well, if I saw it again, I would have got it. Because right. I think I saw, I got number one, and then I saw number three. But I was of the mindset of like, well, where the hell's number two? <laughs> I want to get, I want to get number three, and then never be able to read it because I can't find number two. So I'm just gonna pass on number three. But it was really cool. Like for some reason, something that sticks out in my mind is how like it's New York City during you know that eight, the industrial age or whatever, right. and there's this whole scene where they're initially building the first subway or something i'm like oh that's i remember thinking like oh that's cool like i don't think i've seen that in a comic before and like that's it's literally almost establishing like the 
the guts or the nerve center of modern New York City, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I can't remember the the story for the life of me. Yeah, I, th- I forget where he gets it. There's, like... Like, Kyle ends up with this green ring, which is just a band, and it's, like, this magic wishing ring, quote-unquote, and he gets involved with Carol Ferris, I think, and Guy Gardner's in there, and <laughs> I I don't know. That's something to track down, I think. that's That could be interesting. Okay. Yeah, we could do a whole episode or series of episodes about Green Lantern Elseworlds. Definitely. Huh. Look for that, everybody. <laughs> that may be a little while in coming, though. Yeah. Uh, one more thing from the interview I wanted to comment on, and it's probably a good thing that I wasn't in on this thing, because I don't know if there's anything I could have said to the guy that wouldn't have made him hang up. <laughs> um, oh, God. The whole deal with the, with the rage coming together and coming to life and whatever. Yes, yeah, I, I realized that after I hung up, you know, hung up with him, but, uh, yeah, I, you, you can go with what you're going to say. Well, I don't know if we're going to say the same things. My my point, my big point was like, it is absolutely possible for two different people that don't have any contact with each other to come up with the same original idea. Like, it, it honest to God, it happens so much. Not not just with professionals in the industry, but like, like they're they're just ask your friends or family like did you ever have an idea that you know a month or a year later you saw advertised on television and ev- like everybody has one like i was trying to think up of examples like right before well this is kind of on the spot so i can't think of good examples but <laughs> i mean i mean i mean like like if if he wants to say well i did this in my story and now here's jeff johns doing it today obviously Jeff Johns was influenced by my work. No, not obviously. How the hell do you know that he didn't have this in his head independently of your story? How do you know that he read your story? Well, what I realized was this story came out after Rebirth. And by in Rebirth, they established that Parallax was the collected form of all the ambient fear in the universe. So, I mean, like, Johns had already established that, you know, like, the concept of an entity being created out of this emotion. Hmm. So, and and then, you know, uh, Mr. Chaikin, he, you know, came up with his idea based off of, uh, was it Corbin Smith? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, you know, it it actually, you know, like, like you're saying, you know, that it's capable for people to come up with them on their own. Like, right then and there, you know, that's that's the coincidence. Like, there's this kind of, like, rage entity floating around in space that just kind of got created from all this ambient rage in the universe. And, like, you know, at that exact moment, you know, or just a couple of months prior, Jeff Johns is, you know, coming up with this theory, you know, this whole storyline as far as, yeah, well, the same thing's happening with fear happen with willpower already and it'll be happening with love and most of the other emotional spectrums oh i just got one okay like at super show i was talking to adam withers who you know he's one of the two co-creators of the uniques um 
he's a big Green Lantern fan, and he was he was trying to help design. I I forget if it was all of it or just an aspect of it, but he was trying to help put together like a uh, like a Green Lantern game of some kind, whether it's like like a text based online strategy kind of thing or whatever. Green Lantern game, and he had come up with the idea of all right, what do, we have the Green Lantern Corps on this side. Well, we have Sinestro, so why can't Sinestro be part of a core with yellow rings on this side? And, like, a few months later, like, the Sinestro Corps war starts to be seeded in DC. <laughs> right. So it's like, it's, 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 it's like, obviously there's no, like, the timing, there's no cross-pollination of ideas there. It just, it's just, like, he came up with this idea, which yeah, it's it's a pretty logical idea. It's like the next step, as long since we already had Sinestro with one ring, and it just how it just so happens that both he and Jeff Johns arrived at that conclusion. They just were putting it into play at different times in different ways. Right. Yeah. So in any case. Yeah. Now all we need to do is get Ron Mars in, so you can tell him how much you love the Ion Twelve Issue miniseries, and we'll be set. <laughs> hey, listen, listen. I did not love the Ion series, but I love oh, like I, yeah. I love have you reread it? Have you reread it? No, but like by Ron Mars's own admission, like he wasn't able to do what he wanted to do in that series. Every time he came up with a story idea, they'd give him, like, editorial would let him know, okay, you know, you're going to have to go in this direction now. Now you're going to have to switch and go in this direction. How are you supposed to come up with, like, you know, an amazing story when every couple of issues you have to drop what you were doing and go in a whole new direction? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> nah, that's true. That's true. I mean, huh. like, for his uh, creation of Kyle... Like, that alone gets him, like, you know, forever reverence from, uh, you know, from me. Don't let your pal hear you say that. Mm. <laughs> He'll leave you in the Best Buy parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we, we actually, we had a talk about that, and I was explaining how, like, you know, after they introduced Kyle, like, within a few issues, they were really, you know, they did a lot of good stories as far as establishing his character and making it seem like he actually did, you know, belong as the Green Lantern. Hmm. Anyway, you know, <laughs> in episode zero, I said that I thought it would be awesome to get an interview with Howard Jakin. And I went out and I got it. So I'm pretty happy about that. Yeah. So thank you, Mr. <laughs> Howard Jakin. That was... Uh, very nice of you to come on. It was a fantastic treat for episode 25. Yes, it was. You think what? he's going to listen to this? I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> After oh. everything that you just said? Ah, God, I hope not. Nah. Nah. <laughs> oh. So let's, let's go do something else. <laughs> oh. Well, you know what? If he does, for the record, I just want to say, I think he's a pretty cool guy. And, uh, you know what? Maybe this wasn't the greatest Green Lantern story ever, but um. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm 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 making no personal judgments about the man. I just didn't like this particular work. Okay, everybody, we're gonna take another little quick break, 
and when we come back, we're going to have our top ten favorite Green Lantern stories. In brightest day, in blackest night, no evil shall escape my sight. Let those who worship evil's might beware my power. Green Lantern's light. Hi, this is Phil Lamar, John Stewart on Justice League Unlimited, and you're listening to The Lantern Cast. Okay, and we're back, and now our top ten Green Lantern stories. Now, Dan, I don't have mine in any particular order. Me, I mean, I have them. I have them in like chronological order, just that just that's just how it happened. Um, <laughs> you want to go back and forth, like you do one, I do one, you do one, I do one, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, that works. All right, uh, you want to start? Uh, sure. I'm going to start off with the... I'm not entirely sure if it's my very first issue of Green Lantern, but it's the first one that I can remember, and that would be Green Lantern number 46. Was that the... That wasn't the Hal, the Green Lantern Green Arrow team-up, was it? No, that was 47. 46 was the crossover from... Yes. Ah... Yeah, this is, and I should say that that's issue 46 from the third series of Green Lantern. Yeah, before Kyle Rayner came around. Yes, just before Kyle Rayner came around, Green Lantern had a crossover with the the Return of Superman storyline, and it crossed over into Green Lantern. I picked it up because I wanted to keep reading that storyline, and that kind of made me think, hey, maybe I want to read more about this Green Lantern character. Very nice. Yeah, that was like a big issue-long fight scene, too, where, like, Coast City was replaced by the giant engine, and Hal... Like, was his arm in a sling already, or is this where he broke it? I think by this point it was in a sling. Yeah, that's Okay. Yeah, that was nice. And it ended with Superman coming back, just randomly. Cool. (laughs) Uh, Well, my first... Well, my first on the list is also my first issue, and it happened, like, eight issues after yours. It was Green Lantern 53, where, um... This is actually the third Kyle Rayner issue, and it's the one on the cover. Um, The cover has, uh, Kyle being... He's in Mongol's clutches. He's, like, passed out, he looks helpless... I think Mongol's gonna ram like a big girder through his face or something, but Superman's flying up. And the whole issue is like Kyle Rayner and Superman teaming up against Mongol. And it's. <clears throat> it was just so interesting. Because like, this was the one for me that hit home like, oh, okay, he doesn't just make big green hands or something. He can, he can hit people with a giant train. That's, that's cool. I mean, 
make shields and all that. Because up till now, like the most I'd seen of Green Lantern was on Super Friends, and you know, you watch Super Friends exclusively, you're not really gonna be sure what the heck his power is. So this one was just so interesting. Plus the fact that it was a character I've never seen before, you know, Kyle Rayner as opposed to Hal Jordan. Right. Yeah. One of the things that I liked about that issue was how Mongol pretty much thought that he was going to be, uh, you know, completely unharmed by a Green Lantern. And Kyle's just like, oh, oh yeah, uh, didn't you get the memo? I don't have that yellow weakness anymore. <laughs> yeah, I like how um, even Superman, like Superman was in the same spot I was. He's like, well, you're not the Green Lantern I remember. Well, oh, well, whatever. <laughs> it's, it's, it's so great because it's, it's one of those where, like, the the differences and the inconsistencies from what I already knew was what really drew me in. You know, I wanted to learn who the heck this guy was. I wanted to see how it was different from what I knew from TV. Gotcha. Good old... This this was some Ron Mars and Daryl Banks collaborative gold. Yes. Yes, unlike my friend Eric, we actually like Ron Mars. Well, early Ron Mars. (laughs) Okay, so my next issue is uh, just after my my number one pick would be uh, Green Lantern number 50 of the third series, where Hal Jordan becomes Parallax and Kyle officially becomes Green Lantern. This was the issue where I basically said, okay, I'm basically going to be collecting this series forever. Yeah, that's an honorable mention for me. It just barely didn't make the cut. And and I mean, you know, take everything I said about 53, you can apply that to 50 as well, because, I mean, like, the, this is the issue that made Hal Jordan interesting to me, you know? Yeah, me too. And, like, for the longest time, like, I had not read the first two chapters of this story. I jumped on and just read number 50. I'm like, what? And this was after I had already read 53. So I was like, oh my... That, it was like sen- sensory overload. Well, wait, like when... How long after 53 did you find issue 50? Oh, God, I don't know. Months? Maybe a year? I don't know. Oh, wow. This is before I started reading it every month. So I would just, like, go to the comic shop with my mom. I would, like... I would go... Th- I would look at the shelf and if, if there was a, a Green Lantern comic there, I would pick based on the cover whether or not I wanted to get it and I would go and I would look through the the back issues and again flip through if there was anything that had a really cool looking cover I would get it and I I don't think at the time like this might have been right as I was realizing that like issues 50s or 25s or 12s or whatever were probably going to be written as a big deal so for whatever reason I picked up number 50 and it was just mind-blowing. <laughs> yeah. So you're number two? My next one is Green Lantern 56, which was, uh... This was actually... This was after Zero Hour, where Kyle was kind of... He was lost in space. He couldn't figure out how to get to, back to Earth, so he was just kind of cruising around looking for home. And oh, okay. Yeah, he stumbles into this alien bar where you could practically hear the cantina music from Star Wars playing. <laughs> and, and he runs into 
a woman named Adara, who, you know, she was a former member of the Corps who, you know, her ring went out when Hal blew the battery. She, you know, she tried to steal Kyle's ring, but it wouldn't work for her, and she ended up taking her own life because she realized there is no going back. But this was significant for me, and this always stood out to me because, you know, starting on the comics with Kyle Rayner, this was my first alien Green Lantern. Like, this is the first non-human I ever saw wearing that badge or wearing a ring. And, like, like there's, they gave, like, a little flashback sequence showing her, like, in space using her ring, fighting alien spaceships. And I must have reread that sequence alone over and over and over again just because, like, I was so interested in the concept of the core. I wanted to read about alien Green Lanterns, which means I came on at the worst possible time because there were three issues after, there was like six issues after getting rid of all of the Alien Green Lanterns for about a decade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I actually had a feeling that you were going to pick that issue. Yeah. That, that was a good one. That was where Kyle Rayner kind of had like his uh, big muscle body kind of... Yeah, I pulled I pulled up the cover on Comic Book DB... Yeah. And if, if it was just based on the cover, I probably wouldn't have gotten it because it looks weird. It's yeah. It, the cover is like Kyle looks almost like a cross between Lobo and Doomsday, and he's in a bar. He's about to like body slam a guy. I mean, in in the actual issue, he does do this, but it's a blatantly a construct. But yeah, it's it's really awesome. I mean, this was after I realized, okay, I want to start reading more Green Lantern, so I just went and got whatever was in the back issue bin. <laughs> What's next for you? Uh, next up for me is from the current series of Green Lantern, number 25. Oh. Yes. Yeah, this this issue was like a total roller coaster ride the entire time. It basically, like, it blew my mind. It was just so amazing. You had the introduction to the, the new different color cores, you had, like, the end of the Sinestro Corps War. You had a Guardian dying. You had the creation of the Black Lantern. I mean, like, the whole thing was just, like, epic. It was epically big, and I loved it. Yeah, that's... Yeah, that's one that's going to stick in people's minds for a very, very long time. Yeah, that's... Wow. Do we... Like, do you know, don't look it up, but do you know off the top of your head how many printings that got? Like, was it a lot? I'm not really sure. I would say... What was the cover of that? That was the one with, uh... It was the, it was the same as the cover of the trade. It was, um... Oh, right. Yeah, I don't know that they actually made any more than, like, you know, a second printing. Possibly a third but I think it only went to second. Because the first issue of the Sinestro Corps were, had like three or four printings or something, so I would I would almost expect the same from the last issue. Well, the first issue had like different printings, but each printing had like a different character on the cover. Mm. So it was kind of, you know, like you had act people actually getting the multiple printings because it was like a different cover like that even though they had bought the first printing. Yeah. What's your number three? My number three, Green Lantern 68. This is 
Kyle Rayner and Donna Troy, who at the time was a dark star, fighting a amped up Mr. Freeze. Do you remember this issue? Off the top of my head, I don't think so. The cover, it, for, well, I should say, I should say this ties into Underworld Unleashed. And, uh, Neron, the, I, he's a devil. He, uh, he's a dude that got locked in Fate's Tower in 52. He went around in Un- Underworld Unleashed making packs with all these different villains, giving them, like, super, super powers in exchange for their souls or whatever. And Freeze, he, he got to stop being a guy in a techno suit who couldn't stand room temperature, and he became this guy walking around, like, snow-white skin, red eyes... And he could just, he's basically an evil Iceman kind of thing. And he made it just, he made Central Park into a frozen wasteland. And Kyle and Donna were out on like a date or something. And they just noticed, hey, what the hell, it's snowing in Central Park, let's check it out. And they just spend the issue fighting Mr. Freeze. And this was, uh, Ron Mars wrote this, and it was Paul Pelletier, is it Pelletier or Pelletier? I don't know how to pronounce that name. Yeah, one of those sounds good. Yeah, on the artwork, and it it was just so, like, I loved the art in this thing so much. It was like, to this day, I think my top three favorite artists for Green Lantern would definitely include Paul Pelletier, especially for this part of the series, because, like, everything seemed to work just perfectly together, you know? Yeah, actually, I'm looking at the issue now. I do like the other character with uh, the no legs. Oh, Purgatory. That was his name. Yeah, that's actually a character who, like, he he had no use of his legs, and Kyle gave a portion of his energy to him so this guy could will his legs to move. And, right. you know, Neuron perverted that gift and made him into, like, a kind of, like, a fire-using bad guy. And there's this, there's this great splash page towards the end where Kyle just, like, takes out both of them by just ramming them into the ground with this colossal construct obelisk thing. It looks so cool. Yeah, that that's that was definitely a, a fun issue. The, uh, the Purgatory character I thought was very, very cool idea. Yeah. Okay, my next one is the Green Lantern 80-page giant number three. Do you remember it? Was that was that Lanterns Against the Dark? Was it the one with Darkseid and Raker? What's his name? Raker Quaragat, Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, oh, I, f- I should have put that. I forgot. Damn it. Damn it. I... You know, it's funny because, as you say, well, you know, in a time where you were, you know, so looking forward to other tales of other Green Lanterns, here, like right in the middle of okay. Kyle Rayner's the only Green Lantern out there, but in on Apocalypse, which is kind of like another dimension, you have this other Green Lantern who's kind of like sequestered away, and he's still kind of doing his own thing over there. I mean, that was like a fantastic story. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And they brought him back, too, a couple times. Like, I think when Judd Winnick was writing Kyle's book towards the end, he showed up at least once. I don't think they ever did anything with that plot line, but it seemed like they were setting up like a big... Green Lantern versus Dark Side story that never happened. Mm. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I remember he showed up in an issue of Orion, which I, I picked up, 
and he was definitely in the uh, the most recent like Secret Files. Yeah, he and he was. Um, I know he showed up when uh, the Guardians were first making the Alpha Lanterns because his partner got drafted into that, and he's on right. panel there with her a few times. I don't really like his new look, where he's like he's got no sleeves and he's wearing a hood, and he's like super buff. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, but his origin issue was fantastic. So oh, if yeah. you haven't read it, that's definitely one to go out and find. Yeah, my next one is well, it's actually the very next issue, Green Lantern sixty nine, where you know Freeze is done, but Purgatory comes back and he ambushes Kyle and Donna in Kyle's apartment. So, like, the whole building is burning down, Donna's going floor by floor evacuating everybody, Kyle's fighting purgatory. It's, I like, I love this for the same reason as 68. I mean, it's the exact same creative team, all the same good stuff applies, and it's like, it was basically, it was a continuation of the same story, basically, which ended pretty tragically on the part of, pur- of uh, purgatory, because Kyle tried taking back the power, but it didn't work. Or it did work, and but Neuron dragged him to hell anyway. And that's the cover with a... You know, actually, back then, if I was just going by covers, I wouldn't have gotten this issue, because it was like... It's Kyle holding, like, an unconscious Donna Troy. She's like... all Their costumes are ripped up. She's bleeding. He's bleeding. He's flying her away from, like, a giant inferno. There's falling bricks everywhere. And I'm like, huh, that looks kind of... Eh. That, that's exactly how I would have described it. That looks kind of... Eh. <laughs> the the one thing I did like about this was, and I, I think this is also true of the previous issue, how with Purgatory's energy, it's kind of got like more of a bluish green kind of tint to it to differentiate it from Kyle's. Oh yeah, the coloring in this I forgot to mention was really good because like the energy looks like the energy looks different from everything else but not in like a weird way like it shouldn't be there like it's it it looks like a lighting effect without the use of photoshop if that makes any different any sense you know not at all good <laughs> so what's your next one <laughs> my next one is not exactly a green lantern issue but Ooh. it's most most certainly a green lantern story yay and it would be Zero Hour number one. Was that the final issue of Zero Hour? or No, 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 no. Because Zero Hour went down to issue zero. Oh, that's true. But issue one was where they reveal, finally, that the, the big bad is Parallax. They waited that long? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, there are clues... In the other issues, like green energy here and there, but I'm pretty sure it was issue number one where they finally reveal. Wow, because I mean, I'll I'll tell you straight up, I did not read all of Zero Hour, because really? again, back again back then, I didn't know a lot and I didn't care, so I I was thumbing through back issues. I'm like, I see this cover that's all white. I'm like, the hell is this? Oh, Zero Hour, Crisis in Time. Oh, I'll give this a shot. And it was number zero. And I figure, I'm like, okay, well, number zero comes before number one. I'll start here. If I like it, I'll get the rest. <laughs> so I, re- I read that, and I'm like, what the heck happened? This is, it, this is the end. I don't understand. 
I like that timeline in the back, though. <laughs> yeah, that was... One of my honorable mentions was Green Lantern Zero, which was, uh... It was, which I, I regard as the real final issue of Zero Hour, because that's when... That's where Hal and Kyle finish the fight, and, you know, Oa gets blown up, and all that good jazz. Yeah, that was a good issue. That That's that's definitely worthy of an honorable mention. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's your next one? I'm doing my next two together, because it's a two-issue story arc that you really can't separate. Okay. Um... I think that I might have an idea. What do you think it is? Okay, I think it's either going to be the issue where Kyle goes into the future with his descendant in the Legionnaires, mm-hmm. or it's going to be the issues where they create like this whole Green Lantern core, but it's actually only happening in Kyle's mind. Ah, uh, well, you couldn't be more wrong. All right. Really? It is. No, it's your first one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. No, actually, a little little aside here. When um that second thing you mentioned, where uh he was, it was really like the the for that second story you mentioned, where uh Kyle thought, okay, they remade the core and they're calling me Green Lantern Prime and it's awesome and wait, no, it's not real. It's a controller's messing with my head. I remember, I, first of all, I couldn't believe that they were doing it. I hope to God it was real. And I actually, this is a, like, I've, I've never really wrote letters to publishers or writers or creative teams or whatever as a kid. <laughs> this is the one time I did. And I did it for the express purpose of asking Ron Mars, please don't make this be a dream. Everyone will hate you. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Did they publish it? They didn't publish it, but he emailed me back, and I don't remember what he said anymore, but it was, like, just general stuff. But <laughs> that, I remember even thinking, even then, like, oh my god, if they if this turns out to be him just screwing with people, it's the fans will never recover. They'll never bounce back. <laughs> Because at this point, this was still in, well in the uh, the era where, you know, you go online, you type in the words Green Lantern, and 87 people are yelling at you. Yeah. But yeah, Kyle and the Legion. <laughs> this was <laughs> this was cool. Like, this, you know, as, as much as I like the resurgence of the original Legion of Superheroes, this was my Legion, you know? And which is odd, because I really haven't read a lot about them, but... You know, this this is the Legion that I associate with the that name. Like, this is the group that I associate with the name Legion. Because I mean, they're all ch- they're children, and they're they're not they haven't been doing this for years. They're not in their late teens or twenties or thirties or however old they are now. They're just kids with cosmic decoder rings that fly around space doing weird crap with their powers, and it's awesome. And and they're drawn in such a way that, like, they look friendlier, which kind of matches their uh, not-quite-utopian future kind of deal. But aside from that, the Green Lantern angle, like, they had, once again, playing on the, the is, what's up, are they bringing back the Green Lantern core thing, this story arc had 
a band of like six or seven criminals who found a way to kind of make fake rings, like completely like technological rings that they can make constructs, but they, they can each only do one thing. Like some of them were legitimately useful. Like there was one person that could make guns and there was one person that could make vehicles to get away. But there was one guy, I think their leader, all he could do was make fish and throw them at you. I I don't I still to this day don't understand. But <laughs> it was just this great great just and and they had their own Oa quote unquote, which is a space station in the middle of the universe that had a Green Lantern logo on it. <laughs> and, and like you said, like one of the biggest one of the big things of the of the story, and this is something I wish to God they would bring back, is Carrie Wren, Kyle's descendant, his great great whatever, who, you know, when Kyle and the Legion get captured, Ganthet regifts Kyle's ring to her, and she has to go and save them and work with the Legion. Um, I just love that idea. I love that concept, and I thought that was a surefire way to bring a Green Lantern into the Legion. But as far as I know, they never even mentioned her again. Actually, that would be really cool if they somehow are able to bring that up in uh, future Legion stories. Yeah, I, I'm hoping for that, but I I'm doubtful because you know that's that Legion's world I don't think exists anymore. Like the Legion itself is like wandering, you know? We'll see. Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully she's back. She comes back at some point. Now that that was definitely a cool storyline. Should make a point to mention that that was issues 98 and 99. Oh, that's true. I didn't say that. 98, 99. Yes, it's the two with Kyle and the Legion on the covers. Get them. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So now... I guess it's only fair, because your last entry was two issues. My next entry is going to be two issues as well. All right. (laughs) Yes. My next pick is going to be Green Lantern, issues 143 and 144. The very start of the whole Ion storyline. This was the first Ion storyline? Yes, yeah. This was the really, really good Ion storyline. Hmm. Now, which... Is is that the one? Is 143 the one where he was like beating the crap out of Alex Nero in a white space? No, actually, that was I believe issue 144. 143 was where he was fighting like a Jokerized Graven because yeah. it was like part the tie into the Emperor Joker storyline. Yes, I remember. That. And, yeah, so, like, I guess Graven had set off, like, a nuclear explosive, and Kyle Rayner, he uses his powers. Now, it's also important to remember that he hasn't had to charge his ring for, like, several issues. It's just, like, something's been happening, and he hasn't had to recharge at all. He's always been at full power. And all of a sudden, he's, like, there's a nuclear bomb. There's not enough time to get rid of it. So he has to kind of, like, create, like, an energy field around it to contain the blast. And it's, like, tremendous, tremendous strain, but he's able to do it. And after it goes off, like, the strain that it puts on him, all of a sudden, like, he starts, like, glowing green energy. And 
in the next issue you find out that like the leftover energy from parallax relighting the sun and another storyline in the past the uh circle of fire storyline where kyle goes up against kind of like an evil version like his subconscious that had taken on its own life through the you know yeah r- you know, oblivion energy yeah oblivion that had also merged with the parallax energy so there's just tremendous amount of energy in the sun in 144 he fights nero and he claims the energy and he's like basically like this like amazingly superpowered character that has like you know omniscience he can be anywhere at once he can do anything with the energy that he wants it was an amazing storyline i love that storyline and the trade paperback is actually out of print and is actually going for a decent amount of bucks but if you can find it like that whole ion storyline is fantastic and it starts with 143 and 144 yeah that was good that was, i think that was uh that was when dale eaglesham was drawing the book i think Yes, and Judd Winnick was writing. Yes. Well, speaking of Kyle and godly things, my next one is Green Lantern 168, where Kyle fights God. 168? <laughs> yeah, do you remember? It's um, it's the one with, um, you know, it's a... Uh, oh, God, who... I think it's written by Ben Robb, and the Allegusham drew it. It's it's uh the cover is Kyle standing over this guy that's tied up with a dagger. He's looking at the at people watching and their hands are all in the air and it says so the plant may live a god must die. Okay. And what is it's basically you know, the black circle the uh the kind of the space mob has basically tricked Kyle into fighting this. It, it basically it is it's, it's the deity of this alien world. And they're just they're just going at it. they're fighting they're Kyle realizes what's up after a while and he start he uh puts a, a full color construct in his place to get killed instead of him so that he can just hunt down the black circle agent instead of of dealing with this whole mess and it's just something about that issue I just I love rereading it you know like there are very few back issues in my collection that I'll pick out and I'll just reread randomly here and there. And it's, like, this one is one of those. Like, I just love it. Plus, like, if you look at Dale Eaglesham's art in here, it is completely different from the Dale Eaglesham you'd see today. Like, I had to look at the credits because I couldn't tell who it was. And when I read that name, I thought it was a misprint because it looks completely different. And I'm not saying he does bad work now. I'm just saying that as good as he is now, this is so insanely superior to that. Yeah, I can see where you're coming from. Yeah, it was just like a fun Kyle Rayner in space story. It's like this, he sails in, he does his thing, he holds his own against a god until he smartens up and gets out of the situation intelligently. And then he leaves the planet and he's just like, he's cruising through space. He's standing as though he was on a surfboard, but there's no board below him. He's just zooming through space that way. And that's just awesome. Yeah, like these these issues by Ben Robb, like... I, I was not a huge fan of them, which I always thought was surprising because, like, this was directly after his Green Arrow work. And the Green Arrow work, like, you know, I thought that was fantastic. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, this stuff didn't really, you know, do it for me. Well, then you have no soul. 
Nice. Very nice. I tell it like it is. Come on. Okay. Um, next up for me, I'm going to go with the Rage of the Red Lantern special. Ooh. Yes. Yeah, I mean, like, this issue was... Well, first off, it was beautiful. It was absolutely gorgeous artwork. It gave us the first glimpse of the Blue Lanterns. It had our, you know, first real good interactions of the Red Lanterns. It uh, really blew me away. It was a fantastic issue. Like, I love that. That's definitely going to be one that I remember for a long time. I think you're just sentimental. That that issue came out pretty much right when we started this show. That helps. <laughs> and hey, you know what? This, as I see it, this issue ultimately is what gives us Rage Kitty. So, you know, props there. Definitely. <laughs> and I still, like, I I love that beginning scene with Atrocitus under the blood pool making his ring. That's such, a, like, a well... I still want to see somebody film or animate that in some way. My turn? Yep. Alright. Spe- <laughs> Speaking of Ben Robb, 169, the very next issue, <laughs> where, uh... Shut up. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> It was. This is the one where uh, we get the resurrection of Kilowog. Oh yes, the Dark Lantern. Yeah, where um, Ganthet shows up, and he he's all like, Kyle, this is Ganthet talking. Kyle, these these demons, they showed up, they snatched Kilowog, they brought him to you know, hell, quote unquote, because it's it's you know it's a hell dimension. Watch Buffy, it'll make sense, and. He, they they basically decide, okay, we gotta go in and we gotta get him. So Ganthet opens up this dimensional door and in space, he just tears space open and Kyle flies in. And Kyle's ring doesn't actually work in there, so it's basically up to Kilowog to get them out. But what's so cool, what's so cool in this is how, like, they sh- they, sh- they give Ganthet so much good character in this issue, because he's out, they flash back out to space where he didn't go in because he didn't want to put all their eggs in one basket. At the same time, he's just pacing back and forth in the middle of space. Like, there's ground, but there's not. And he's just telling himself, all right, five minutes, then I'm going in after them. Just, I have to wait just five minutes. And, you know, when Kyle and Kilowog burst out, the demons are following them, and, like, they're, they're, they're like, saying their demon stuff about how I'll melt the flesh from your bones and whatever, and again, that's like, it sh- shut up. And he claps his hands together, and the tear seals on them. He, it just... He basically tells them, like, screw you, and slams the door in their face. <laughs> it was just so awesome. But, like, yeah, this issue and the one before it, like, I, I don't know why, I just really love these two issues specifically. Like, like every time, whenever I'm out and I'm at a comic store or something, and I see these issues, I'll rebuy them. <laughs> oh my god. At one point I had, like, like, I forget how many copies of both of them. And I always get them in pairs, too. <laughs> so, so, like, my, my numbers always go up by the exact same amount. And I actually, I only have two of each now, because I unloaded a bunch at Super Show last year. <laughs> uh, oh, my God. Yeah, those are awesome. Well, I do like the, the concept of the uh, Dark Lantern Kilowog. This is also the issue where Breaker Quaragot comes back. Oh, it is? Oh, okay. Yeah. I did not realize. I forgot that. 
for as many times as I reread these things, I forgot that part. Right, what's your next? Oh, my next one? Yes. Okay. Yeah, this one, another non-Green Lantern book, but definitely a Green Lantern story, would be Superman number 147. This uh, actually, if you see me on the forums, my Sir Avatar was based off of this issue. It's uh, kind of like Superman is in a machine that's, like, running simulations through his brain, like, if he had landed on other planets. So it's kind of uh, like... Yeah, like a, like a couple-issue series of what if Superman landed on this planet or whatever. And one of the stories was what if he had landed on Mars? What if he had landed on Thanagar? What if he had landed on Ran? And this one in particular... What if Superman landed on Oa? <laughs> you know the issue? Yeah, I remember it for, like, well, two things. First, I remember it as being cool that, like, he just called this one guardian dad or something. <laughs> and the other for, I don't know, I, for having art that I really did not like at all. <laughs> but I can't remember who, who actually did the art in the issue. I, I know... Walt Simonson did the cover, but I can't remember about the interior. But, I mean, just, like, it's just so cool. Like, every time that I get to see Superman as a Green Lantern, like, that, that, that's cool to me. So, I love that issue. They've done, have they done that a lot? Because it feels like they have. I don't know if they have, really. Not a lot, but it's definitely been done a few times here and there because they always make a point of saying that had Krypton not blown up, Kal-El would have been a Green Lantern. Hmm. He was always kind of, like, destined to become a Green Lantern. And not to mention, like, he, you know, he always has displayed, you know, massive amounts of willpower. So. Hmm. Yeah. And that was a one-and-done story, right? Um, well, the, you know, the Green Lantern aspect was the overall arcing story of Superman being in that machine was a crossover. That's true. Okay. My next one is Green Lantern Corps Recharge number one. Okay. Even though it's a miniseries, and I love the whole miniseries, just this issue by itself can be read almost... It can basically be read as a standalone. Because this issue taken on its own is the story of like, the Green Lantern Corps recruiting and bringing in people who have drastically different reactions to getting a ring. And at the very end, you get, like, Guy and Kilowog up in the skies of Oa watching all these rings just fly up, up from the planet's surface and out into space and given the sentiment that, you know what, the universe is changing. And it's it's just a really good standalone issue that if you stick around for longer, you're going to get a lot more greatness out of. Yeah, I can't imagine why you would really like that issue. Why not? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, because it's got the Green Lantern core, which you love. Oh, that's true. <laughs> Your sarcasm didn't register. I, I guess. <laughs> okay. 
My next issue is Action Comics Annual Number 3. This was actually a crossover with Armageddon 2001. And the basic idea behind this storyline was that Wave Rider, the character Wave Rider, would find these different heroes, and just by touching them, he could see, like, their possible futures. So, in this particular one, he sees Superman, and he sees a future storyline where Superman becomes the President of the United States, and the one thing that I really, really love about this issue is how Guy Gardner, he, like, he totally objects to this. And he goes up to Superman, and he's, like, you know, about to punch him, and that's when Superman grabs Guy's fist and then wills the ring off of Guy's hand and onto his own. And, like, that right there was, like, the coolest thing that I've ever seen Superman do. And it was just, like, you know, that's, like, one of the coolest Green Lantern moments in a comic, I think. Jeez. That's, wow. Was there a was there a Green Lantern-centric issue of Armageddon 2001? Like, did um, was a was a Green Lantern one of the people Wave Wave Rider was looking at? Yeah, you know what? Actually, I think Green Lantern started up again just after that crossover, so there wasn't an annual to uh, to cross over with it. Oh, weird. Okay. Oh, that. Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm so used to these things being done in miniseries now that it's like just goes over my head. Like, oh, they did crossovers in annuals. That's right. Yeah, I like I liked when they did that. I wonder if, because didn't Jeff Johns try bringing annuals back, like a, like two years ago or something, and it didn't really take? I don't remember there being an annual for the current Green Lantern series. Hmm. Has there been one? I don't know. I don't know if that's what Sinestro Corps War Special 1 was supposed to be, but I know like shortly after he came out with the Action Comics annual, and I don't know. I wouldn't be opposed to it. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Your next one? My last one is, and this, this I can almost guarantee you will never make your list, even though I think it's one of the best Green Lantern comics that's been published since we started the show, was Green Lantern 43, The Black Hand Issue. Oh, really? Yes. Why is that? I think, like, this is one of those cases where, like, where the writing and the art meet on this perfectly even level where everything, where it's not even, it's not even writing and art. It's the exact same thing at the same time, you know? Like, it was, it was such a perfect symmetry between the two. Like, it, it's, it's hard to, to, to describe. It's, this was Doug Monkey's first issue of Green Lantern. He, right. he brought this amazing horror feel to this story, which was just, so insanely appropriate considering the character they were focusing on and the tone that they were going for and the content of the issue. And it, it's, if, uh, it, part of it, it felt like you were almost watching a Tim Burton movie as you were reading the thing, you know? Like the characters, the, the regular people looked almost like they were almost like these creepy woodcuts or something that were animated. But, and that didn't, take me out of it that drew me further in because it's like okay in this setting of this world that i believe that that's how they should look and it was just this incredibly detailed and in-depth character study on 
William Hand and what makes him tick and why. And you get to see like this slow, like subtle buildup of this character who, you know, on the surface is just another supervillain, but he turns around, there's like a pathology to him. And it's just so, it, it's so perfect. And like the level of gore in this is 100% appropriate for what they wanted to do too. It's, it's just like this issue was like, almost perfect <laughs> I I thought it was a really good issue I don't know if I would go that far but that that, that that's cool that it made your list like that yeah I mean I know why it didn't make yours because I mean I think you even said oh back when we recovered it I think you even made a comment of like like it was good but it only covered black hand which and you know from talking to you and from listening to you People know that like you're very you're very much into into like the bigger picture stuff, you know? Yeah. Where like like what what made your ears perk, perk up during that issue? The predator and oh, yeah. the black entity. It's and it's it's like okay, that's that's where your mind is, and that's cool. But it's like okay, this is I I really get a lot out of the little stuff, the character stuff, the windows into who these people are and why they are, and for and I'm it, this one bowled me over because we had seen virtually nothing about Black Hand this run of this series, and considering he was supposed to be such a vital part to Blackest Night, and then this issue came out literally, like it was was this came out the same month as Blackest Night one, right? Or, or right before it, and it, it's like they there's no way they have time to make us really give a crap about Black Hand. They should have been doing that for the last year, but they give us this issue, and it's just insane how good it was. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. And once again, it also works as kind of a standalone. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely, I could see that. So now, I guess because I was counting my two-issue selection, I actually have one last one. Okay. Okay, this one is Legends of the DC Universe number 38. Now, the Legends of the DC Universe, they had, like, this story of Traitor, like, running oh. through, like, certain issues here and there. They had, like, two issues dealing with Abin Sir, two issues dealing with Hal Jordan, and then another two issues dealing with Kyle Rayner. And the Kyle Rayner one, that was the one that, like, I really liked. They were all mm. really good stories. But, like, number 38 is the second part of the Trader storyline for Kyle. And the reason I picked this was, I mean, aside from the fact that it was a cool story... I'm not going to ruin, like, what actually happens to Trader because that was pretty cool also. Yeah. But there was another moment. There was a moment in this which I would say it rivals the Action Comics annual number three moment. The character Trader, he, like, he takes Kyle's ring and, like, crushes it into dust and basically leaves Kyle Rayner stranded on an asteroid in space with just, like this little powder of dust in front of him, which, you know, at one point was his ring. And that's how they end that, that issue. In the next issue, they start it up, and what does Kyle Rayner do? He uses his willpower 
to take that dust and reform it back into his ring. Oh, uh, yes. And, like, you know, like, like that right there, like, if you're looking for a cool Green Lantern moment, and, I mean, that's what I like. I like moments that, you know, make it, you know, make you say it's like, yeah, you know, that's what makes me happy to be a Green Lantern fan. That right there, like, willing your your Green Lantern ring back into existence from a pile of powder. Like, that's, that's like, the very, very epitome of what it means to, to have that much willpower and to be a Green Lantern, and that's why I love that issue. That was really cool. I got the I got that story arc in trade, and I have to say, if you're gonna like, if based on this recommendation, you go out and get the Kyle Rayner issues of it. Just get the issues, cause like the two issues with Hal and the Atom, those were terrible. <laughs> I I don't even remember. I I mean I I like to my memory, I thought that they were decent, but it, it's it's definitely worth getting like those two issues, thirty seven and thirty eight. Yes, and the Adam Sir story wasn't bad either. I mean, it was your it was your typical like alien with alien technology goes to the old west kind of story. I think he even meets up with like Hal Jordan's great great grandfather or something. But you know, it's still fun. Uh, okay, so uh, honorable mentions. Honorable honorable mentions, as we've said, you know, Green Lantern Zero, Green Lantern Fifty, Green Lantern Hundred. Hal and Kyle in the past. Tales of the Core Annual number two and number three. Number two gives us the story of Tigers for which Blackest Night is based on. And Annual number three, which gives us the origin of Rot Lop Van, the F sharp bell. Yes. Green Lantern 59. This was, um, it was a Christmas issue. It was back when Kyle was uh, on the Titans. You know he's on monitor duty, and he he has his first fight with Doctor Polaris, who's who's attacking Rockefeller. He's attacking the tree in Rockefeller Center for some reason, and they just fight. And like this issue, it was just a lot of craziness. And this issue was like my first introduction to Bart Allen, Impulse, uh, Damage, who's currently in JSA, and uh, the second Tara, Tara, who I think is dead. <laughs> Most of them are. Yeah. And uh, I just want to once again give love to uh, Black Circle Urban Nights, which was, um, you know, I, I looked for this before, but I finally found it. So if you're on our forum, you know what I'm talking about. It's uh, Green Lantern 62, 63, 64, and Green Arrow 23, 24, 25, which was just like an insanely good uh, just buddy cop thing with Kyle Rayner and Oliver Queen. And, they hate each other throughout most of it, and it's awesome. Read it, if only for the dialogue, read it. I'm going to also mention Green Lantern 80, which is uh, kind of kind of like the funeral for Hal Jordan after he sacrificed himself in the sun. Mm. And two Elseworlds stories, Darkest Night, where kind of like what if Batman had gained a Green Lantern ring, and Last Son of Earth, which has a an Earthling rocketed off to Krypton because they thought that Earth was going to blow up. Earth doesn't blow up, but you have this Earthling on Krypton who kind of has to adjust to the gravity of Krypton, and he eventually finds a Green Lantern ring, and that was a cool one. That was definitely a cool one. Nice. 
Oh, and one last one. Volume 2 of Green Lantern, number 150. And I'm not saying anything about it. We'll say plenty about it in a future episode. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> oh. And that's that. Yeah. That's a lot of issues. Yeah, that's our list of our top ten. Maybe if we're feeling really industrious, we'll have, like, a cover gallery of uh, our lists. Are you crazy? No, <laughs> com- comicbookdb.com. Go there. <laughs> it's, all, it's all there. Nice. Oh, my God. Okay. So... We'll take a break, and uh, we'll be back with something else after the break. Yeah. I don't even know what now. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Hi, my name's Mike. Join me and my brother-in-law, Rich, as we discuss DC's comic book, The Flash, on our podcast entitled Flashback. It's located at flashbackpodcast.podbean.com. That's flashbackpodcast.podbean.com. Okay, everybody, we're back, and we're going to close out the show now. Yeah, because this thing is pushing, like, four or five hours. <laughs> so you're, you're going to hear the second half of it in, what, next week? Yes. Yeah, that'll be episode 25.5. All right, so if you want to contact us... You can write us at lanterncast at gmail.com and, you know, we'll read it on the show. Or you can talk to us and the other listeners at thecomicforums.com. Scroll down to Lanterncast. You can be our friend on Facebook. Please. Please, please, please. (laughs) Yeah, uh, just go to Facebook and search Lanterncast. Is there an address for that or is it just do that? (laughs) No, they... Basically, go to our webpage and click on the Facebook link. Okay, and that webpage is? Then that webpage is lanterncast.com. Yeah, and we are also on iTunes, and listen to us. (laughs) Yes, uh, if you'd like to email us, I'm jim at lanterncast.com, you're dan at lanterncast.com, and our program director is Jason at LanternCast.com. Yep. And I think that's it. I am Jim. I am Chonada on the forums. Oh, yeah, that. I'm Dan. I go by Gland. And ladies and gentlemen, it has been a pleasure to do these 25-plus episodes, and we are looking forward to many, many more. Yes. Not too many, but, you know, many. (laughs) Thanks for listening, everybody. (laughs) Good night. Ever have to
Yes. This is it. Are we recording right now? We are now? recording right now. Well. I can edit any of this out. Amazing. Hopefully. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Let's work on getting it before we... We get picky. <laughs> yes, let's have an episode that we can edit. Yes. All right. Should we? How should we start? This is. This is the Green Lantern. Oh, is it? What are we gonna call it? The Lantern Cast. I think just the Lantern Cast. Right. That would be that would be very racially intolerant of us to just favor green over all the myriad of different colors. Well. I mean, green is the center. True, true. So, welcome to the Lantern Cast. This is the first episode. You want to call this episode zero? Episode zero. This is this is the episode that everyone will want to, you know, put in a bag, get CGC'd, and in 20 years pay your way through college with. <laughs> that works. I like that. Episode zero. <laughs> My girlfriend's making fun of me in the background. I was going to say, is your family in the room? Yeah. <laughs> you know, he hears you. Good. <laughs> hello. At least he can catch my jokes. He says hello. hello. I have my uh, my headphones on, so she can't hear anything. What up? <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> I'm gonna have to edit out so much stuff. Thanks a lot. Oh, sorry, Dan. It's, this is cool. It's fine. This is fun. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Okay. <laughs> Should we just start over from the beginning? Oh God. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even remember where we left off. I think all we said was like what episode? We said like the name and number. <laughs> It'll just be about a half hour of us laughing. We're already at twenty-one minutes. <laughs> and thanks for listening. <laughs> Uh, cute theme music, and we're gonna... <laughs> We'll just call it the laughter cast instead of the lantern cast. <laughs> the great laughter cast, so we can keep the GL. Oh, that's that's perfect. I like it. Okay. Oh, my cheeks hurt from laughing so hard. Okay, starting over in three, two, one. We should probably pick who's going to start. Yeah, yeah. We should... <laughs> this, this is as professional as it's going to be for like the first month or two. Oh my god, this is going to be the best. Uh, okay. Uh. Um, do you want to start, uh, or should I? Yeah, yeah. I'll intru- I'll introduce myself. You introduce yourself, and then hopefully we'll sync up perfectly and say, "And this is the Lantern Cast." Does that sound good? 
sure. It probably won't work. But all right. This sounds totally horrible. This sounds lame. Yes. Let's, yeah, yeah, let's not do that. <laughs> <laughs> um. uh, yeah, right now we have four minutes of stuff that we'll never use. This is the stuff that'll make the blooper real. This is DVD extras right here. <laughs> we'll have commentary. Oh, oh. Get your girlfriend to do commentary on this after the fact. You have to do commentary on this after the fact. Oh, okay, no problem. <laughs> it's like, and this is where they're totally retarded talking about. <laughs> Who the f- is episode zero? Episode zero is a good idea. Why? Explain how that is possibly a good idea. Who has episode zero? What do you think this is? Like a f- pilot for NBC? This is your pilot episode to see. Tell her, tell her it's a gimmick that will get more people to buy it for free. You would. This is a gimmick that will get more people to buy it for free. <laughs> oh my God. You know, as I was saying that, I realized what you had said. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, on the count okay. of three, well, no, on the count of one, I'm going to start from three and go down to one. <laughs> We're going to be able to pinpoint from this recording the moment she decides to leave. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. Oh my god. This is the best idea I ever had. So, gonna count it down from three. <laughs> I'm going to introduce myself. <laughs> you cannot laugh. You'll introduce yourself, and then I'll say the name of the cast, and you can say what episode it is. Mm-hmm. Sound perfect? Uh, okay. You just don't want to get yelled at again by letting her hear episode zero. <laughs> I I I have to agree with you on that one. Okay. All right. Let's. let's okay. <clears throat> Three, two, one. <laughs> <laughs>